I want to welcome our listeners to Win 2020 with McCoshin and Ross. I'm McCoshin. I'm Ross. And today we have United States Senator Tammy Baldwin as our first on-air guest. And uh, we want to welcome you, Senator Baldwin. Thank you. It's great to join you. It's special to be the first guest. It is special to be the first guest. Our podcast is all about what it's going to take to win in 2020 for a Democrat or for a Republican. As we all know, Donald Trump was the first Republican since 1984 uh, to win Wisconsin in 2016. Will history repeat itself and he'll get the 10 electoral votes in 2020? Or what is it going to take for a Democrat to win? You put penned an op-ed in CNN recently and you outlined a strategy. It might not surprise you that people that follow me don't necessarily follow CNN. So why don't you walk us through what do you think it'll <laughs> take for a Democrat to win in 2020 here in Wisconsin? Absolutely. Well, I think... Where I start is that uh, people across Wisconsin um, want solutions to their challenges and really aren't all that interested, except for the hardcore partisans among us, that um, they're not interested in Republican versus Democrat. They're really interested in who you'll stand up to and who you'll stand up for. And so I think about... um, you know, one of the issues that's on people's minds all the time these days with all the partisan uh, back and forth over health care, and it's more than a back and forth, it's, it's you know, there, there's this battle going on right now. And so people who uh, need medications, say they have uh, type 1 diabetes and need insulin or any number of other examples you could give, or have a loved one with a pre-existing health condition, they're seriously worried about how this is going to play out. And they're actually looking for the leaders who are going to stand up for them and against not a partisan, but a powerful interest that is calling to, you know, calling the shots. And so one of the examples I give is um, being willing to require accountability on behalf of the pharmaceutical corporations. Um, And I talked about that a lot during my campaign. I shared people's stories and uh, not to be, um, you know, not humble, but we just passed uh, in committee some major legislation that requires that pharmaceutical companies justify their price spikes. Um, no more just willy-nilly, we're going to double our prices. Uh, and so uh, I think that's number one. Number two, in our state, uh, showing up matters. Um, and not just, you know, one place, but we have a unique state um, and people want to know that you care to listen to them, that you respect them, that you hear their struggles and challenges. And so that's going to be a, a key part of it. And then I think um, lastly, uh, and it's certainly not lastly, this is an exhaustive list, but these are the things that I would really recommend people um, focus on the most, is um understanding our state's economy, how hard people work, and seeing that their hard work is rewarded in our economy um, as it should be, but that's not happening right now. And um, so whether it's something like 
uh, by Buy America initiatives, which interestingly cuts across partisan lines and interestingly even the president um, has supported. It's about um, recognizing and rewarding the hard work and the work ethic and the values that we have in Wisconsin. Well, I, a couple things. One, you know, you don't have to be humble because you won by 11 points when everybody <laughs> said that 2018 was going to be a disaster for Democrats before Trump. And uh, because in your first, you know, election of the U.S. Senate, you toppled probably the most popular politician. Someone don't remind very, me. Don't right? remind you know, me. And, and so I, I don't think you have to be humble. But I am interested in some of the things you talked about, your point about showing up all over the place and particularly in places like La Crosse and Eau Claire, where Democrats still can drive turnout in the cities, mm -hmm. but in a place like Wausau, where it's getting more and more challenging, all the elected officials up there at this point are, are Republicans. And what is it that a what is it that a Democrat needs to do to sustain a message up there to make sure that it's penetrating in terms of in terms of there, so they can drive out votes? Because it has happened in the Supreme Court race in 2018, for instance, massive turnout right. for city of Eau Claire, city of La Crosse in both the uh, primary and in the general. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Well, it, certainly there's some differences between judicial races and um, legislative races and executive branch races for that um, matter. But what I would say um, is, first of all, understanding Wisconsin, Wisconsin values and Wisconsin um, economics. So we're uh, perhaps more typical of the Great Lakes states, the upper Midwest, in that um, we make things. It's a huge part of our uh, workforce, people in manufacturing, uh, people in the trades, and, um, and farmers. Um, and the, the not necessarily in raw numbers, but those who are dependent upon the agricultural economy make up a big percentage of our state. And you cannot show up like in western Wisconsin and um, Eau Claire, which for um, decades has been the uh, sort of the center of where they uh, calculate what the price of milk should be, right? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, it, <laughs> it sure. really radiates out from there across the country. Um, you can't go up there and not understand that we are in a dairy crisis and that it is a confluence of a number of different factors, some man-made, some natural, uh, uh, but that the president's um, policies with regard to trade and tariffs which have resulted in retaliatory tariffs. You you can't be ignorant to that, right. and show up in the um, in the heart of, of America's dairyland. Um, likewise, you um, understand that you know if if we have an industrial and manufacturing spine in the state, it follows the Fox River, and uh, that is um, an area where. Um, there's been a lot of challenges also, and we haven't seen wages go up uh, in connection to increased productivity. And we've also seen um, trends of, you know, the, these businesses, many of them are well over 100 years. They were locally grown. They were start started here, and, and they've been bought. And they now people are making decisions about the future of Wisconsin factories from 1,000 miles away. Um, without understanding those values. And those workers need 
a champion who's going to stand up for them. So I'm going to challenge one of your first points in the op-ed about um, standing up for somebody or standing for something. Um, but standing up to powerful interests. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're unique in Wisconsin. You're, you're a triple threat. So you've got a compelling backstory, a personal backstory. Uh, you're not bashful about who you are politically, and you're okay with running on being a progressive. And you're not afraid to draw a contrast with your opponent, whomever that may be, whether it was Tommy Thompson or Leah Bukmir, it didn't matter. Um, that's, that's a winning formula, right? So is there somebody in this Democratic field that could mirror that? Because you won 17 counties that Donald Trump won. Donald Trump, believe it or not, he may have only won by 27,000 votes here, but Hillary Clinton only won 13 out of 72 counties. She was not particularly popular. The reality is Democrats largely stayed home in 2016. So is there a candidate in this field that could appeal to northwestern Wisconsin or to uh, northeast Wisconsin? You just talked about the Fox River Valley or even western Wisconsin, Ron Kynes District, like you did. Um, I certainly think that there are candidates who, um, you know, we have this huge field of Democratic uh, candidates for the presidency right now. And... Um, I think there's several who have taken similar approaches in their own background. Now, not all of them are U.S. senators or House members or, you know, um, there's a variety of, of backgrounds and life experiences. Um, but I, I do think that that appeal can happen. Um, what I did was, uh, again, you know, I told my own story. Yep. I told other people's story. Yep. Um, I'm don't back off from being proud of being a progressive, but I also uh, don't hesitate one iota to reach across the party aisle uh, to find agreement. You know, I was I was just uh, talking about the Fair Drug Pricing Act, which I um, wrote with John McCain, and you know was looking for new. Uh, Republican co-sponsors, and um, it only passed through committee because I built a coalition of people who could come together on that. And so there are, um, I think, a number of folks um, who get those sort of things done. Um, you know, not all of the candidates are also from the Midwest. In fact, most of them aren't. But right. uh, but I do have to note, and Amy Klobuchar, um, when you're talking about um, knowing the importance of showing up and, you know, understanding the difference between her Iron Range and the Twin Cities. Um, you know, here we have the North Woods, we have a big timber and forestry industry, we have dairy, we have uh, manufacturing, and we have uh, an economy that's also dependent upon our fresh water, the Great Lakes. Uh, and so, uh, you, you need to understand that yep. as well as the big picture is that people are working hard to get ahead and they're still feeling no matter how well the economy is doing that they're not. Mm -hmm. um, well, I guess that, you know, it's a fair segue, I think, to this. And that is that, you know, it is understood that Wisconsin's going to play a major, if not the seminal place. I mean, this is ground zero for the 2020 election. 100%. Yep. Right. Yep. We at some point in time, Democrats will have a nominee for president. And certainly, you know, there is a, you know, there's something to be said about making sure that we win Wisconsin and put it away. Now, some people might say that getting somebody who has won multiple times here in the state of Wisconsin, I'm not talking about Doug LaFollette, um, some 
talk about, you know, putting them on the ticket. I know that there's, you know, I've seen it on the interwebs. Um, and obviously everything on the interwebs is true. What is your reaction to people talking about the potential of you being the vice presidential nominee for the Democrats? Well, first, I would say that um, it shows that I'm effective in reminding everybody that the path to the presidency goes through Wisconsin. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> and, um, and actually, that's really what I'm most focused on. Um, you know, I, I just had a... Uh, an election season uh, that was very energetic and I talk about my Wisconsin constituents when I'm in the state I also talk about it um, you know talk about fighting for Wisconsin when I'm in Washington or in other places and um, I have very openly offered myself and the experience I gained during my campaign in 2018 to uh, the field of Democratic candidates, um, not only in op-eds that get published online, but also, uh, you know, encouraging folks as they come to the state, please, um, you know, let us share the wisdom we gain, the winning formula, I think, the strategy that we put together, um, and, you know, the issues that uh, I'm hearing from constituents of all political stripes. Um, and to that end, you know, I, I remember speaking with one non-senator candidate who was visiting the state and was traversing the state from um, from west to east and had just been asked a question about the dairy crisis. He wasn't up on the dairy crisis, and I did a <laughs> my best dairy 101 uh. for like 10 minutes, and by the next stop, um, there was a, you know... Uh, I want to offer that up. I want uh, uh, our Democratic nominee uh, to know Wisconsin like the back of their hand by the time they're here for the convention. (laughs) Assuming we have one before the convention and don't decide that (laughs) here in Wisconsin. Well, you know, who knows? That one, you know, broker convention, I'd say the nominee, Senator Baldwin. It could be. (laughs) You never know. So let me ask you. You have seven... Uh, colleagues running for office. Are you planning to endorse in the primary? And, the, and I may be missing some, but the ones I have listed are Senators Bennett, Booker, Gillibrand, Sanders, Klobuchar, and Warren. A lot of your colleagues in this race, Senator. Are you planning to endorse during the primary process? You know, I am not planning on endorsing. I'm really thrilled with the caliber of field that we have. Um, but what I am doing is really trying to Uh, remind people that the pathway to the presidency goes right through Wisconsin. Uh, Now, literally, because we're hosting the Democratic (laughs) National Convention. Um, But that uh, I want to offer my insights, uh, my experiences in running a great campaign back in 2018. um, And and help these candidates understand the Wisconsin values that they need to uh, reflect, and um, and and offer myself out to all of them. And I think if I endorsed, uh, there would be less likelihood of of uh, getting the um, opportunity to share that insight with all of them. Yeah, I and, think any of them could learn yeah. a lot from you. You've got the successful bl- blueprint both in 2012 and in 2018 here. Well, 
I, I think we do. Um, I think it is also a matter of when we do host that convention uh, next summer in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, that I want to be playing a role of welcoming everyone to the state and highlighting Wisconsin, its work ethic, its um, uh, love of its natural resources, all of the things that we hold so dear here, um, including some of our progressive roots from uh the La Follette era. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, I sit in the La Follette seat. I'm very proud of that. Um, but that is uh, also a part of the history of our state that we want to crow about. So let me ask you an uh, ideology question. On the Republican side, there's generally three lanes in the presidential race. There's the establishment lane, a conservative lane, and the fresh face lane. Donald Trump sort of filled two. He filled the fresh face and the conservative lane. In 12 and 8, uh, I would say Romney and McCain were not considered conservative, particularly by Wisconsin Republicans or Wisconsin conservatives. So um, in the Democrat primary, is it the same? Is there a, an establishment lane, a progressive lane, and a fresh face lane? And if, and if so, can a progressive come through this primary and, and be nominated here in Milwaukee next July? You know, it, I don't know that I would speak to every presidential election, and I think you're asking about 2020 anyways, but I really think that there's um, different lanes in in the Democratic Party right now and among the candidates, um, but more in the party and and among the voters, and that is the um, who can beat Trump Yeah. uh, versus who who among the Democratic candidates more um, uh, let, me, let me ask you about that. Reflects... Who can beat Trump? Who's that important to? Donors or grassroots activists or both? Um, so I'm thinking more of voters than donors or the really involved uh, Democratic uh, activists and party members and county leaders, etc. You know, increasingly in part because of um, a divided media where people can listen to ideas that reflect their own ideology and their own. that. Um, Except on here, everybody's got to listen know, to both sides right great. on this one. <laughs> this is really great. But just think about, um, you know, there's groups that are very supportive of Trump and there's those who cannot believe he's our president are horrified. You, you've undoubtedly communicated with people (laughs) absolutely as have i yeah and so i think that there's a large segment that says um you know we're they fear that uh um there's a threat to the democracy as well as uh threats on particular issues health care immigration etc uh rule of law and and so they're just saying look I could be an enthusiastic supporter of any of these uh, candidates for president on the Democratic side. And I've not seen something like that um, in a long, long time where it's that focused on uh, just winning. Um, And then I see certainly uh, 
a vibrant discussion among uh, those who follow particular issues or you know people who've invested a long time in trying to improve our healthcare system make it more universal make it um, you know, to them, the candidate who's nominated really matters. And right. as you could hear, uh, perhaps off message on the uh, Democratic debate stage, a lot of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a lot of uh, interaction about, um, you know, which is the preferred path. Well, that's I mean, I think that's an, when we talk about issues. I mean, you know, you got to turn people on if you want to turn them out. And issues are one way to do that. And I would just right. say my own personal, you know, I care about student loan debt. It's been an issue I cared about, you know, for a long time. Senator Baldwin's definitely been a champion on that. You authored one of the first refinancing bills in the history of this country. Last election, it was discussed for about 30 seconds. Now they're fighting over who's going to get rid of all student loan debt. So these issues can evolve <laughs> quickly. And I think part of that is because of the rise now of the 30 to 50 plus year old voter, mm -hmm. uh, you know, who is in that demographic, it's the post boomers who are, you know, having to make economic decisions that are much different than their parents were. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so that's, you know, I think that's where when we talk about coalitions. It's that new, that new, vibrant, socially connected, ready to go, but also focusing on economics constituency that, that I think a lot of these candidates are talking to. Mm -hmm. I'm interested, you know, it's I would say this. And, you know, the embarrassment of riches that Democrats have in this primary is such that, I mean, God, there's talk about, you know, let's get so-and-so to drop out of the race so that they can join you in the U.S. Senate, right? In a couple of those places, you <laughs> know, right. a couple, Bilbrey, of, the, yeah. couple of the, you know, yeah. uh, 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 the uh, Bullock. Montana Bullock as well, Bullock. right? Yeah. You know, and so who, who's, who knows what will happen in that? But um, I just, I guess. I would you say know, Beto O'Rourke, too, for a while. Right? Yeah. I, although there's now a great yes. the, uh, candidate uh, there, uh, yes. MJ. MJ. Uh, and so I think, uh, you know, it, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what, what the fallout is over the next, like, several months and who stays in how long and, you know, and, and such. And uh, Right. Well, it, it seems like the debate uh, will play, the, the third round of debates will, or one debate maybe, if they've, that'll play a, an oversized role in terms of, who might drop out and who might stay in because if you don't make there's seven who have qualified for that debate stage three within you know striking distance additionally um but if you go from 25 or from 20 getting on the debate stage yeah. to a far fewer um it's probably going to cause some to uh to drop out um and then but not everyone mm -hmm. for sure well, you know, I mean, you don't, you can't win if you don't run. So that's you right. Know, that's the way you're right. And timing is everything. So you're not a fan of shrinking the field sooner rather than later. Let the process play out is what you're saying. Yeah. I, I mean, I might have my personal preferences, but, um, uh, you know, everybody who's running has the right to be bringing forward their campaign. The, uh, the way that the, uh, the qualifications or eligibility for the debate are working would have a natural uh, ability to wean the field, but I think ultimately um, it'll probably be after uh, Iowa caucuses and um, and the first handful of, of primary elections where we'll start to see greater. Um, greater fall off. I mean, there are some candidates who are polling at one or two percent who have amazing operations in Iowa. 
in New Hampshire. Right. They're going to want to stay in long enough to test whether that makes the difference or whether they really do have to be polling at that five, six, seven percent in right. order to catch on. Yeah, I, yeah, I guess the thing that, you know, you should reach out to all of them and make sure the ones that are sort of in the low end, that they're not burning through the money the way Scott Walker did with his uh, oh. with his presidential run. Sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, but uh I guess, you know, really appreciate the time you took. Um, you. And maybe you can come back after the Iowa Iowa caucuses. And, you know, we'll talk a little As bit more about this. we get closer to the Democratic yes. Convention, you know, we'd, we'd love, love to have you back. Oh, thank you. But thank you so that. much. My Thank pleasure. You. Great to have you on.